cookies and uh, and uh, lollipops and uh, ice cream, but you don't hear anything about repentance. Well, repentance has not been taken out of the Bible, I'll tell you. And John the Baptist, as we'll find out, uh, he began to preach in repentance in the ushering into the kingdom of God. And when Jesus began to minister, he the, the very first words he spoke were those very words, repent, as recorded in the word of God. And then that commission is given to, and we saw that the, or we'll see rather, that the early church preaches that uh, same message concerning repentance. And so we need to, we need to understand uh, actually what repentance is. And uh, it isn't penance. It isn't some kind of uh, long procedure of, uh, of uh, self-flagellation that we go through. It's not uh, a 40-day period of, uh, of denial that, uh, uh, that we go through. It's not, uh, as a matter of fact, you may be astounded that it's not even uh, uh, crying. It's not snotting tears. Amen. A lot of people uh, get caught in their sin. And, uh, and some of them will even go so far as to slobber around an altar. But they don't quit doing what they're doing. And so uh, we need to come to grips with the word repentance and find out what it really, really, really means and uh, where it sets in the Bible. And we'll just take a little time uh, somewhere in the middle of all of this and, uh, and have some discussion and uh, let you ask questions concerning it. Um, and so... Uh, this is what we want to see this morning. I want someone to get for me Matthew, the third chapter, the first and the second verses. Somebody over here, like Brother Van Dyke, would like to get that for me. I'd like for Sam to get for me Matthew 4:17. Uh, somebody back over here, Mark 6:12. Uh, Brian, Mark 6:12. Luke 24:47. Somebody over in here, uh, Celia. Luke 24:47. Acts 2:38. Uh, Sister Burgess, Acts 2, 38. Acts 26, 20. Somebody over here. Uh, Sister Mayotte and uh, Luke 13, 3. Dave Burke. Repentance. Someone has said, and I quote, that repentance is the first aspect of the believer's initial experience of salvation. Repentance is the first aspect of the believer's initial experience of salvation called conversion. True conversion is an essential part and proof of regeneration. If there is no conversion, there is no regeneration. We can say that without qualification. We can say that without hedging. We can say that without fear. We can say that without apology. Unless there is true conversion, there has been no regeneration. Regeneration is God working in, and conversion is man working out his salvation or expressing it. It has to do with sin, as many aspects and forms, and especially with the sin of unbelief. Isn't it a strange thing, and we might just say in passing, how that before a person is, uh, their heart is ready for repentance. And remember, it's the goodness of God that leadeth thee to repentance, the Bible says. 
that you can tell a person, you say to them, uh, <clears throat> uh, God says this, and they'll say, ah, I don't believe that. <laughs> Do you know what I saw the other day? I saw somebody wonderfully healed. Ah, can't tell me that. Isn't it strange how unbelief rests in the heart? And I'll tell you a little secret about a heart that's not ready to repent. Uh, if they saw fireballs from heaven, burning bushes, and ever so many angels, they would not change their minds. I have seen people literally that have seen physical miracles of healing before their very eyes and say, I wonder how they did that. <laughs> Amen. See, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. And the strange thing about a heart that's not ready to repent is that they're filled with unbelief and, uh, and uh, something happens to a person who is ready to repent, who has come to the end of the road. They're ready to believe God. Amen. Because I was one of those people of which I speak. Smart aleck, philosopher, barracks lawyer. Amen. Know everything but know nothing. You ever run into one of these creatures that they just spout off philosophy? They just spout it off, just reams of philosophy. Amen. Steve Haru. Every time I think of that, I think of Steve Haru in his white sheet, in his hippie days, up in the pines around a bonfire in Groom Creek, spouting off philosophy. Had a wreath around his head. The great prophet of the pines. But when he got ready to repent, amen, that all changed. And while he's sitting in a service, uh, a little crummy musical program up in the boys' club. He was ready to repent. And just simply sitting there, tears streaming down his eyes, he not even really understanding why, but he was ready to believe God. Praise God. I thank God for His grace and His working. Can you say amen? Because it happened to all of us who have come to saving grace in Jesus Christ. Repentance. Okay. We need to... to uh, gain an understanding of the importance of the place that it occupies in Holy Scripture. Matthew 3, 1 and 2, out loud in a real loud, clear voice. In those days came John the Baptist in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, literally speaking, what he was saying was, you better quit drinking your whiskey. Does that shock you? You know, we like to read these words over and say, oh, it's just so loving, gorgeous, gorgeous. Well, I want you to know that John the Baptist spoke, and what he was saying was, you better quit living like you're living. Quit laying with the chicks, quit eating dope. Quit stealing, quit lying. You, you better quit the lifestyle that you are because it's taking you to an eternity without God. That's the message he preached. 
See, we just read over these words and we say, well, he just said, John the Baptist, he was a wonderful man of God. He came and he said, repent for the kingdom of God draws nigh. Well, what did they cut his head off for then? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Not because he had his collar turned around backward. Or he didn't belong to the ministerial association. Or because he didn't join the Kiwanis Club. See, what he was doing was he was pointing his finger. For one, he said to Herod, you're living in sin. Now, Herod was the head dude, if you need an interpretation of that. He called the shots. He sat in a seat of authority and power. And John the Baptist pointed his finger at him and said to him, You're living in sin, Herod, and you're going to die in sin, and you're going to spend eternity in hell, Herod. Well, Herod, it didn't make him feel too good. Especially after his wife got to working on him. Amen. And uh, Salome did her thing with a sexual dance. It got him all stirred up. And he said, you can have anything you want to. And her mother had already said, see, she hated this man of God. She hated this man that preached righteousness. She hated this man that dared to say, this is what your sin is. And so she said, I can have anything I want. Then I want John the Baptist's head here in a plate. Repentance was the message that John the Baptist preached. Matthew four seventeen. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This was the message of the Lord Jesus. Praise God. It just dawned on me that Terry's had her baby this morning. I knew that, but I'd forgotten. And here she is in church, praise God, and has the baby with her. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. I've heard of people that were sick, sick for six months after they had a baby. Couldn't dare to bring them to church because they might catch a germ of some kind. Doctors will keep you home from the moment you're pregnant. They don't go to church. Amen. It's dangerous to go to church. You can go shopping, of course, and you can go, you can go downtown. But don't go to church. There's too many people there. You'll catch a disease and die. <laughs> That's encouraging, Terry. Praise God. Where were we? That's how the world lives. Mark six twelve. They went out and preached that men should repent or quit doing what they're doing. You see, any preaching or proclaiming of the message of God's grace and love in Christ Jesus must contain, beloved, the message that people are not living right and they need to change the way they're living. Now, they know this down in their heart. You don't have to tell a, a person who's living in, in sexual sin that they're living wrong. They know it down inside. They may be putting up a facade and playing a little game, but down inside, they know they're not living right. You don't have to tell an alcoholic uh, that he's not living right. Uh, he knows he's not living right. And, you, and, uh, and uh, down inside, he knows that. People inside know, but beloved, God puts upon you and I the responsibility to make that confrontation. 
where the Spirit of God can cause. And it doesn't, it doesn't bring all the time good feelings. You have to understand this about preaching and witnessing. It doesn't all the time bring good feelings. You see, sometimes it has to have a storm before the sunshine. And there's something about this blessed gospel of God's grace and power that when it goes forth and touches men's heart, sometime before God can do what He needs to do inside of them, there has to be some terrible strivings and they get red in the face and, and get mad and get excited. And, and I, well, I had a woman call me on the phone the other day. You would not believe. And she said to me, I want your group to quit calling on my daughter. And I said, well, where is your daughter? She lives at a certain, certain street. And I said, well, ma'am, that doesn't mean anything to me. We deal with hundreds of people. I wouldn't have the slightest clue. So I, I said, what's the name? She said, I'm not going to give you the name. You just quit. Stop those people from bothering my daughter. So I said, uh, your daughters express this kind of feeling? <laughs> you know, I'm always a suspicious critter. And so, uh, yes, she said, well, I said, I, I tell you, I tell you what, uh, maybe you better have your daughter call me, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll see what we can do. We'll discuss that. She's not going to do it. So I'm going to call the police and get you for trespassing. I said, well, I don't think the laws read exactly that way. And so then she told me who it was, and I recognized who it was all about. And I said, well, maybe they better call me and tell me themselves. And so while she's still ranting and raving and carrying on and all this, why, I uh, politely hung up. Well, it wasn't uh, that we had our sign hanging out that had her stirred up, beloved. The thing that happened was her son-in-law got saved. And she was agitated that this is going to, this plague of salvation is going to invade the whole family. So don't think that the gospel is going to bring a peaceable reaction when it goes forth to every place, because it will not. See, the, the apostles were not crucified for nothing. As long as you keep it inside in four walls, you never do evangelize, you don't get anybody saved, you just have a little religious lodge that everybody affiliates with the, uh, on their own free will and nobody ever goes out in the streets and witness, nobody preaches in the streets, nobody has any films that they show, nobody has any home Bible studies, no problem. Nobody ever gets mad at you, upset at you, as long as you don't ever distribute any literature, flyers, or etc. I had a woman call me, and she was so excited. A young woman said, I want you to stop your group from putting their advertisements in my car. Terrible sin. Horrifying. Community-disturbing activity. You put an advertisement in somebody's car. And the thought came to me immediately. I wonder if she ever reacted like that when Sears or J.C. Penney or, or Matt's Bar or somebody, uh, the J.C.'s put an advertisement out about some belly rub or some horrible stomp in the streets that they're going to have. No. It's okay. <laughs> but these gospel things, are terrible, and so it's going to cause a reaction. Mark six twelve. Did we get that yet? Okay. Luke twenty four forty seven. 
Here's the commission and that repentance and remission of sins. See, salvation and changing of a lifestyle is the same message, is it not? Should be preached in His name among all nations. Thank God. Okay, Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized. So here we find again the message of Peter as he preaches in the book of Acts is the same message. Is that there's salvation, but you need to quit living like you're living. Okay? Acts 26, 20. All right, here's the book of Acts that are, that are stretching on. Uh, I've forgotten just offhand. It seems to me some 30 years. Here's the ending of the narrative, and they're still proclaiming that message. And that the Gentiles, they should repent and quit living like they are and turn to God for salvation. Luke 13, 3. Here is the message of the Lord Jesus in Luke 13. But he said, I tell you, unless you repent, you shall all uh, likewise perish. So we can see from these scriptures, can't we, that repentance occupies an important place in the Holy Scripture. That, it, uh, that it's woven into the Old Testament. Uh, it, it's not simply an Old Testament doctrine of, of a God of judgment and fire, as some people try to present him and said, but all that's changed now. Now is completely changed. It has not changed. God has not changed. He simply uh, is willing to give grace and blessing through the gospel, and he's made a way for a cure for sin, but the message has not changed. It is still the same that God is still proclaiming that men need to change the way they're living. Okay, so we see the importance of that place. Now we want to look for a moment of the meaning of repentance. What does it mean to repent? Literally, what's involved? Does it mean crying? Uh, does it mean um, uh, some kind of um, uh, uh, period that you do on a rack while people torture you? Does it mean uh, walking on your hands and knees uh, 50, 60 miles to some shrine? What does repentance mean? So we need to come to an understanding of that from the Word of God. And so we have a, a number of scriptures. And I'd like for someone over here to get me Matthew 21, 29. Hiding over there on the, in the far out section. Lyle uh, and Sister Pringle, will you get for me, Sister Pringle, Matthew 21, 29. And Lyle, will you get for me Acts 2, 36 through 40. <clears throat> All right, we'll find that repentance touches every facet of man's personality. You and I are a wonderful composite of intellect, will, and emotions. All of these faculties are within us, intertwined into this glorious personality that God has, uh, has uh, created, and, uh, and uh, uh, the capacity for spiritual and, uh, and uh, both rational understanding. And so all of these things, we're composite. And so if we're going to repent, or if our lifestyle is going to change, then this means, beloved, this morning, that there's going to be a change in every facet of our being. 
understand what I'm saying. Doesn't simply mean that we decide all of a sudden that we're going to join the Christian club. And so instead of going to Matt's bar on Saturday night, we come to the door. That's nice, and uh, it, I'm encouraging that, but that's not, gonna, that's not going to make any change except simply in your physical appearance of where you are on Saturday night. Repentance isn't simply coming to church. You ought to come to church, but that's not repentance. Coming to church... Uh, May or may not help you, depending on what kind of people there are in church that are preaching or whatever's happening. Amen? Okay? So let's come to grips then with what repentance literally is. Concerning the intellect, it is a change of mind or how we view things. That which we before abhorred, that before which we despised, that before which we rejected, now we take a completely different view of that thing, and it's a change of mind. Matthew twenty-one, twenty-nine. Okay, here's a young man, and those of you who are mothers and fathers have doubtless experienced this with your sons or your daughters. Tells a parable. Jesus tells a parable. Uh, concerning repentance and giving us an understanding of what it means to be a Christian. And he said, a father said to his two sons, he said to them, I want you to go out and work in the field. And uh, one of them said, I will not. But afterward, he repented and went. He changed his mind. He changed his view. Now, we're not... Uh, give an understanding of what changed his mind, but the important thing is he changed his mind and said, I uh, am going to go. Acts 2.36 and 40 through 40. Okay, here are, is, a, is, a, uh, is a generation that some scant 50 days, not nearly, not uh, 90 days before, have risen up against the message of Jesus Christ, have taken him, and have with one accord uh, commanded that he be crucified, refusing to receive him in a release of Pilate's good gesture, but received Barabbas instead, and commanded Jesus to be crucified. They rose up against the Christians with one voice and with one accord in a turmoil, even in, in such a, 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 uh, uh, a vicious attack that the apostles themselves scattered for fear. But here on the day of Pentecost, Peter is standing and preaching to these same people, and they were pricked in their heart. It doesn't say that they said, Oh, Peter, we just love to go to hear you preach. You're so sweet. We just love you, Peter. You're the nicest man that ever came to our town. We're so glad that you joined the Kiwanis Club. We're so happy that you belong to the Ministerial Association. Wonderful. What civic works that you have become involved in in our community. 
community chest, Red Cross, all these beautiful collection drives. We so appreciate you. <laughs> oh, no, beloved. You read what Peter said. He said, judgment of God is going to fall on this place. And it's coming now. And they were pricked in their heart and said... Now, remember, these are the same people that before had said, We don't want to hear you. Shut up. They said, What must we do to be saved from what's coming? A complete change of view. Thank God. And he said, This is what you need to do. You need to quit living like you're living. And you need to lay hold of Jesus Christ and express that by being baptized in water. And he said, you need to do it today. Okay, the word then, of which repentance is a translation in the New Testament, has as its primary meaning, this, and this is the root of the word repent, afterthought. Because mankind, when he is convicted of the Holy Spirit and has given some thought by the direction of God's Holy Spirit to the way he's living, often, thank God, is able to have an afterthought concerning what he's doing. And he repents and changes the way that he's living and begins to follow after the things of God. Because who of us, if we will yield ourselves to the Spirit of the Lord and let the Spirit of the Lord have a hold of our thought processes by Holy Ghost illumination, will not find some reason... Amen? To change our mind. I doubt not that there, there's not a certain, I mean, a single person in this building today, if you live to any age without getting saved, but what someone has come to you and said, you know what you need to do? You need to give your heart to Jesus. I'll never be one of those Jesus freaks. How many have you ever done that? With words of some kind or another. You'll never get me to go to that four-square church. <laughs> There's a lot of them sitting in here that said they never would, and they're here happy, saved, with their hearts right. Amen. Because after some thought of the Spirit of God dealing down inside, they had a change of mind. And they decided, after all, they don't really care. As long as they can make heaven their home and get their life straightened out and get free from sin and have power to live for God. Isn't that wonderful? Wow, there's a preaching spirit in here this morning. Okay, let's, let's think about the emotions for a moment. It involves hatred for sin and sorrow for sin. I want Psalms 97.10 over on this side. Somebody over there that's way back in the side section. Anybody? Jack Conway. There's, a, there's one. Sister Denard. You get for me 2 Corinthians 7, 9, and Jack Conley, you get for me Psalms 97, 10. emotional creature and you are an emotional creature and if salvation is real then something's going to happen in your emotions 
Now, this doesn't mean that you necessarily must may jump up and down. It doesn't mean that uh, you may shout out or go running down the street. It doesn't mean that you may fall down and, and cry pools of tears, although you may do some of any of those things. I don't know how your emotions are going to be triggered. God love you. Uh, would to God that there would be a little life. Amen. And some dry bones. Thank you, Jesus. If you're afraid of emotion, why, you, uh, you are uh, one of the casualties of the great American culture scene that says that you need to keep your cool at all times, except when you might happen to go to a football game and watch some people with a pigskin out there screaming and hollering, batting each other's brains out. Forty guys weighing 250 pounds jump on some poor guy that has a mishap to get underneath the pile, and the crowd goes wild. Ooh, <laughs> wow, it's great. Or two guys get in, uh, as uh, happened in the debacle with uh, Cassius Clay Muhammad Ali, and some poor sap gets up there, and, and uh, they get together and bounce around and beat each other's heads off, and, and the fans are screaming for blood. But thank God that we have educated ourselves past uh, those Romans uh, who were barbarians. <laughs> haven't we? No, we haven't. So we are extremely emotional. Amen. If you don't think you're emotional, let me talk to you about five minutes if you're not saved. And I'll bet you you'll get emotional before I get through. <laughs> Oh, we are emotional, and salvation has to do with our emotions. Okay, Second uh, Corinthians, no, Psalm 9710, Jack Conway, a hatred for sin. Okay, hatred for sin. See, this is why Job had credit with God. A man who escheweth evil or a man who hated evil. He didn't want anything involved with evil. See, it's possible, beloved, to, to have a good front concerning evil, but all the time the human mind with its machinery is operating in the realm of the imagination and man is toying with sin. You see, sin doesn't come. All of a sudden a man's walking down the road. He's happy. Uh, his, he's righteous. He has a, he has a nice life. Uh, everything's together. Uh, he has a happy home. Uh, he has a good job and everything's going south. And all of a sudden a boot from the slimy pit of hell just comes. And he just turns and commits fornication. Oh, no. No, no. You see, in the mind, the seeds are planted. The uh, strategy is all conceived. The subject is well thought out. The ramifications are all there. The circumstances are weighed. And the demons of hell have persuaded him that uh, he can either get away with it or it'll not be too bad after all or that he can beat the rap. Are you listening to me? But you see, repentance means there is a hatred for sin and what it brings. It means that while man's nature has the capacity to be just a really dirty, vile booger, that when his capacity begins to rise in salvation, 
Spirit of God says, uh-uh, you shouldn't do that. And he immediately exercises himself and shuts off the imagination and will not allow himself to toy with sin. Are you listening to me? If you want to live victoriously, there's one of the secrets. See, well, it doesn't hurt to think about it. Well, it does hurt to think about it. If you keep on thinking about it, you'll do it. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Are you listening to me? Okay. So repentance means then, see, the devil does not control your mind. You control your mind. If you have been born into the family of God and you have been given saving faith, saving faith in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God has given you the ability to control your mind. And you control your mind, and you can uh, exercise a hatred for evil, and that means that you will not do it. You just you stay away from it. You escape it. You, uh, uh, what does Paul say to the young man Timothy? He says, uh, uh, flee uh, sin. In other words, run away from it. Don't, don't stand around and, and, and like, a, uh, like a, a cobra that's up there ready to strike. You just want to see how close you can get and, and if you can escape when he makes a strike. I guarantee you, you can't. The devil is an old serpent. And I tell you that if you play with him and you do not hate evil, like the Bible says, that God gives you the capacity, the commandment, and has instructed you to do, then he'll get you. Spitting cobras, beautiful illustration, South Africa, they have a spitting cobra, they don't have to bite, all you have to do is pass by and look, and that cobra has a, the capacity to spit in the eyes, it's a very strange creature, and as the venom hits the eyes, in a moment, a fraction of time, a man will claw at his eyes through the pain, and he dies within just a few minutes, he's dead, and uh, his life goes from him, he doesn't stand a chance, having never made contact with the cobra, never having even touched it, but he looked, and the look was enough. That's why the Bible says, Satan, that old serpent, he plays a deadly game. Okay, but as you and I have a hatred for sin, we stay away from him and his crowd. Sorrow for sin. We need that. Second Corinthians 7, 9. It says, I uh, am glad that you were made sorry. But he said, I'm not, I'm not glad that you were just sorry uh, as being sorry, or you were weeping or crying or had sorrow. But he said, I'm glad that you sorrowed to repentance. Because he says, the sorrow of this world worketh death. In other words, you just keep on crying about your sin, but never doing anything about it. But godly sorrow worketh unto repentance. Now, you'll be astounded at how many people will weep because of the consequences of their sin. I've talked to little girls that thought that they could beat the rap and uh, they could commit adultery and fornication and not get pregnant. But I guarantee you that, uh, that uh, if you oh, disobey God, that prayer is not going to change your status. Pray for me, Brother Mitchell, I won't be pregnant. Well, you are pregnant. Sorry 
terrible consequences. I've talked to people who were in horrible circumstances in their life and, 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 and seen them weep and, and they, they feel terrible. The circumstances of, of, of uh, social turmoil and, and, and the guilt and the feeling, it, it's, they're broken and they weep pools of tears. But they got right up from there and went right back and did exactly the very same thing. They did not change. You see, sorrow is not repentance. Repentance is feeling sorry enough to quit. Isn't that a deep theological observation? Repentance is feeling sorry enough to quit what you're doing. Okay, someone has said concerning this remorse, is sorrow for the consequences of sin. But repentance condemns the sin which brought the consequences. Tears are in the eyes of the repentant. Confession is on his lips. God's mind about sin is in his thoughts. Walking away from sin is its way. Brokenness is in its heart. Taking hold of Christ are its hands. And humbleness of manner is its attitude. Repentance. Have any question about there? Praise the Lord. We stirred up any uh, questions, Sister Cheryl? Um, well, my, my thought, uh, sorry, at the time, it's just a matter of your value and your relationship. But when you get to heaven, you're sorry Okay, that's an excellent thought. Amen. Someone else? Uh, brother? Well, of course, uh, the seeds are there of, of which we have spoken. Is man uh, seldom will ever become sorry for, him sin, for his sins uh, alone. In other words, the human mind has a capacity to play games. We can rationalize some of the most obnoxious acts. And he seldom will ever come to the place where he really feels sorry for himself or the condition he's in until that has worked out into the relationship that he has with God and he sees himself as a lost sinner or coming under the judgment of God bearing the penalty of his sin and the relationship that is gained with his brother or there's a social uh, thought there that comes with his fellow man see this is what really will bring this dude to sorrow as long as things are going all right for him and, and the bottom does not drop out, he, all of his friends are, are, are with him, all of society is saying, that's fine, that's good, there's no problem with that. And as long as, as someone who represents God or, or who is pre presuming to, 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 uh, to speak for God is conning him that that's all right, you'll never bring this dude to sorrow. There's some interesting theological games played right here, and it's called the security of the believer, if, you, if you're ignorant of that little knowledge. And that is that this relationship, uh, it, it, isn't, it isn't really, it's okay after all because, uh, and we play little mind games over here until the reality of this really is brought home. Those dudes will never stop that, playing that game. I've had people look at me and saying, well, I'm a Christian, stoned out of their gourd, living in adultery. I believe. Haven't you ever heard the doctrine of security? Yeah, I've heard it. It comes straight from the pit. That's not the security that God talks about. And so this 
dude will never be brought to that place until this really comes home to him in reality. And when his world begins to come down on him and God's Spirit can actually pierce through and reveal by the Word of God and by the Holy Spirit what his standing really is, then he begins to feel this really, this, this God's sorrow which will bring him to a change of life. And, and, I, and, I, and I tell you that these are powerful factors. And as long as this is all right, this is why that Paul gave some interesting observations concerning them that refused to walk orderly and uh, that, were, that insisted on being rebellious and backslide. He said, separate from them then. Let them go their way. All right. He said, I command you to not fellowship with them. Because as long as you do, you'll never bring that sorrow to that man until he's separated and made to feel the impact of his sin and his transgression. Okay, interesting observation. Anyone else? Brother? Yes. That's why it's very important that you be Hearing the word of God preached. Where someone will proclaim it and say it like it is. Praise the Lord. Because we have, uh, we have just really strange games that we play in humanity. Amen. See, we have our little clubs that we can get into. So, well, I like those guys over there because we're we like Ahab, you know, Ahab, uh, who was uh, king over Samaria and the ten tribes. And him and Jehoshaphat were together, and they were getting ready to go out to battle. And so uh, they said, uh, Jehoshaphat said, don't you have any, any men of God here that can tell us, uh, uh, give us a word from the Lord and see what God's mind on this thing would be? And so he said, yeah, we got plenty of them. And so uh, three or four hundred of the, of, the, uh, of the professional ministry came around and uh, they said, oh, yes, Ahab, you're just going to be fantastic. Go on up and win a battle. And uh, but Jehoshaphat didn't feel good about these guys. He felt that maybe they weren't exactly on the trail. And he said, don't you have anybody here besides this? He said, yeah, I've got a little... Uh, I've got a Pentecostal fellow over here. He's in the pokey for street preaching, but... <clears throat> But he don't ever tell me what I want to hear. Every time he comes and speaks, he just makes me feel terrible. And Joshua said, go get him. I'd like to hear what he had to say. And so they went and got Micah out of jail and brought him over. And Micah said, yeah, go on up, Ahab. Yeah, I win a battle. And Ahab said, how many times have I told you not to speak to me anything but good? And he said, if you come at peace at all, then I'm not a man of God, and the Spirit of God doesn't dwell in me. And then he said, uh, you know what's going to happen? Are you going to be? You're going to die, dude. And the, shepherd, the sheep of Israel are going to be scattered. And he said, carry that guy back and put him back in the hole. I don't like him. So the problem is, you see, is that we, we, uh, we like this option to uh, gather with people who tell us what we want to hear. And that's a very dangerous position in the world today and when somebody speaks something that just gets down inside our chest we need to pray very carefully and, and examine ourselves that we're not playing little mind games with God before we change our locale and decide to move across town or across the country to escape the horrible things that that guy's saying about us amen okay Dale
Yes, the strangest thing in the, in the world today, and uh, anyone who's ever visited around will, uh, will, will understand uh, that words do not bring conviction. See, all the words can be right, their doctrine can be explicitly correct. They can be structurally and uh, organizationally and doctrinally sound, but there is no conviction that brings people to repentance. And uh, I don't want to get into that to, to you, but thank God when I got saved, I got saved. And that they were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because I've been in meetings where everything that was said, you couldn't argue with a thing that was said, but there was something vitally missing. That birthing spirit was not there that brings men to repentance for sin, to live for God. And so uh, there you're talking about several factors, brother. You're talking about the preacher, number one. You're talking about the people, number two. And without those, those two living the life that brings conviction and that, uh, that, uh, that is not words. See, that's not words. That's a lifestyle that, that moves through a man and through a people that causes a birthing uh, body to continually function. Unless you've got that, why, it's uh, worth, worth, worse than no religion at all. And so that's a very valid truth because this is what brings this repentance, brethren. Doctrine is what's the matter with our world today. We have doctrine enough to, to sink the world. But we do not have people getting saved and their lives being changed because they repented. And I do not have the answer to that, but I just have to do what God told me to do is preach the Word of God. Okay, we're going to open this in a moment, but I want to get several scriptures and finish. We must touch concerning the will and uh, Luke fifteen eighteen through 20 over here. Somebody over here, Luke 15, 18 through 20. Anybody? Praise God. Ray Hendrick, Luke 15, 18 through 20. Matthew 21, 29. Brother Sam Atkinson. 1 Thessalonians 1, 9. Brother Van Dyke. Uh, how about Proverbs 28, 13? I saw a hand right in here lifted again. Dennis Halverson, Isaiah 55, 7. Someone over here, Isaiah 55, 7, Brother Lazok, Acts 26, 18, uh, Steve Demaratsky. Okay, it's touching the will. Just put your finger in these places after you find them. It is the formation of a new purpose or a change of purpose. Purpose. I purpose. I will arise. I will worship God. I will or I won't. Okay, so repentance then means the formation of a new purpose, a change of purpose. Luke 15, 18 through 20, out loud, please. Okay, here's the prodigal son, and this could be told concerning every one of us, that when we finally came to the place we're ready to repent, we not only had an intellectual change concerning the, 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 the sin as it was, and our lives that it really was, we not only had an emotional moving whereby we were sorrow for sin and hatred for sin, but we also made up our minds and said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going I'm uh, to rise and go to my father and say to him, <clears throat> there's nothing wrong with me. I'm just not going to church. Is that what it says? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. How many people have you talked to? And you say, we really, really miss you, friend. I'm not backslidden. I just don't go to church. 
Well, as long as you con yourself, why, okay. But when repentance really comes, you will say, you know what? I will arise and go to my Father and say to him, I have sinned against heaven and against you and am no more worthy to be called your servant. Make me as one of your hired servants. When that comes to a human heart, my friend, God begins to do wonderful business down inside. Until it comes, until there's a formation of a new purpose, there is no repentance. Okay? Uh, Psalms 30, uh, uh, Matthew 21, 29. Okay, here's the young man who his father said, go out and work in the fields. And he said, I will not. But afterward, he repented and went. He changed his mind. Luke 15, uh, Luke, uh, uh, 1 Thessalonians 1, 9. Okay, he's speaking concerning uh, the Thessalonican church, and he said, we, uh, we've had borne testimony, and it's, it's clearly known how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and the true God. Okay, I missed some scripture here, and I, I, want to, uh, I want to talk about the manifestation. And so Psalms 32, 3 through 5, somebody get that for us, uh, Brother Brian. Psalms 38, 18, quickly. Uh, Brother Van Dyke, Psalms 38, 18, Luke 15, 21, Brother Bill Troxel, and we'll get the other scriptures that we had in just a moment. Okay, there's a confession of sin. See, something really, really happens when there's a manifestation of true repentance. See, I've, I've preached in services where people answered the altar call, and they lifted their hands, said, you, you feel you need God, you're lost, you're backslidden, and they answered an altar call, and uh, then... Uh, then when you begin to talk with them and, and say, you came uh, to receive uh, Christ as your Savior, you want to get saved tonight? Well, <clears throat> the reason I'm down here is because I'm going on a trip and I'm worried about my family. Foolishness. That's not why you lifted your hand. You lifted your hand because the Spirit of God was gracious and made you feel miserable inside. Does that seem strange to you that people do that? Many people, when it comes down to the nitty-gritty, will not actually confess, I am a sinner. Amen. Say, well, I'm not, I'm not really too bad. Well, you're bad enough that Jesus died on the cross for you. The Son of God suffered and hung on a cross for you and died personally for your sins. That's how bad you are. Okay, there must be a confession that we are a sinner. Psalms 32, 3 through 5. He said, as long as I would not admit that I had a, a, a sinful heart and a need of your salvation, my bones dried up within me. He said, it was, I was in a terrible condition. I felt all the, 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 the horrible uh, problems of conviction. But the moment I acknowledged and said, I will acknowledge my sin, he said, in that moment, the picture changed and I became a recipient of your blessing and of your salvation. Luke 15, 21. Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be 
When the son came back, he didn't say, you know, the reason that I went out of the house, Father, and went out of here is I got mad at my brother. And I didn't like him. And so you weren't treating him like you were treating me. Or, or Father, the reason I didn't like it is because you weren't treating me right and, and uh, I, I was feeling bad and, and all the raps that they get. When he came back, he said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you and I'm no more worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. That's what true repentance, it confesses your state before God. Okay? Something really happens and... Uh, so uh, there's a forsaking of sin. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but he that confesseth and forsaketh, he shall find mercy. Isaiah fifty-five seven. Let the wicked man forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him and to our God and he shall abundantly pardon. Acts 26, 18. Okay, to turn them from darkness to light and to give them an inheritance among them who are sanctified by faith in me. In other words, there's a change of lifestyle is what we're after in Acts 26, 18. We've got about four minutes. Uh, have we got any question before we uh, have to conclude this? Repentance. Brother Ray Hendry. Uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, actually received. Uh, yes, if there's no visible change, there must be some, some outward tokens of change over a period of time and that may not be so apparent at uh, the next week or so or two or three days but unless it comes then I question whether they really have salvation and have because salvation is real I'm preaching on that this morning there's a reality of an experience with God someone else before we change over we've got about two three minutes brother Yes. There really was a change of lifestyle, and that's when salvation became an actuality instead of a doctrinal fact. See, this is why uh, people uh, who uh, constantly are going through this, uh, then I begin to examine them and see what kind of life they're living.